When Ron Rong became the Empress of China, she was already ruling over a ghost land. In a matter of months, her country abolished the monarchy, turning all Wan Rong's decadent pleasures into dust. Somehow, though, this was just the beginning of her tragic tale, which involves a royal throuple, a lot of opium, and the worst husband in the world. By the end of her life, Wan Rong would lose her crown, her child, and most infamously of all, her sanity. Hello and welcome to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Factinate.com. I'm Veronica. I'm Dancy. And despite this episode's bummer note, uh, this series generally has one goal, which is ostensibly to make history fun, because it turns out that when you take away the old words and the fancy titles, anyone who made history was probably a bit of a hot mess. This week, as part of our series on our favorite queens in history, we're telling you about one wrong, the last empress of China. And yeah, fair warning, her life is sad, guys. It's sad, but I think we got to bear witness to it. And I think there are going to be a few parts where we laugh, so we do not cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's super interesting. Oh, yeah. Her life is phenomenal. It's tragic. It's sweeping. And also, you can't just look at the queens who like defied the patriarchy and rode off into the sunset. You got to look at how the patriarchy really fucks you, too. It's just mm-hmm. part of seeing history from a fleshed out lens. Let's learn from our past. So with that said, <laughs> let's dive into a real sad story. <laughs> so Wan Rong, like many of our queens, was born into a prominent family. Great, as usual. Mm-hmm. Rich parents got it. But her mother died in childbirth. And this was just the first of many dramatically sad things to happen to her. Nonetheless, she was really well educated. Her father was very progressive, believed in giving women opportunities and education. She was also very, very beautiful. Like, seriously, I look at photos of her and I'm like, damn. Like, she's just... Breathtaking. Yes, breathtaking. And, you know, she was really rich. So (laughs) that was great. Um, So she's a very, very eligible bachelorette as a young girl. However, that wasn't actually the greatest thing. So when she's about 15 years old, her family decides they're going to put her forward as a potential bride for the last emperor of China, Puyi. He's technically not in power anymore, but he still lives in the Forbidden City. So he's got not a whole lot of influence, but still has the fancy lifestyle and titles and prestige that way. Cough, royal family today. Cough, modern royal family. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Think of it like that. And, you know, this is no fairy tale, though. Yes, uh, Wan Rong's family is trying to get a Cinderella story with her and Puyi, but they had a weird ass courtship. Yeah, cultural differences are there, sure, but just listen to this one. So Puyi has a bunch of dowager empresses, mothers, basically, in, in his palace, and they say, okay, it's time for you to marry. Here's a spread of photos of a young woman for you to choose from, like headshots. <laughs> like a criminal lineup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's pretty weird to me and not a way that I would want to do that you don't think that's super romantic if your boyfriend casting couch you no I, I don't the thing is though this is where it's like universally crappy Puyi doesn't even pick Wan Rong out of that lineup he picks a completely different girl this detail cuts so deep uh, a young girl named Wenju but his advisors are like, oh, maybe not Wenju. And there's some various reasons for this. She wasn't from a good enough family. She wasn't as beautiful as someone like Wan Rong. 
But probably the biggest one was that she was only 12 years old. <laughs> and they were like, oh, I don't think she can be take on the responsibilities of being an empress here. You know that you're on the wrong side of history when even looking back to like the early 1900s, other people are like, dude, too far. Yeah, that's not the right choice. So they convinced him instead to go with Wan Rong. She's from a good family. You know, she's like 15. So that's fine. <laughs> and go with her. So they become officially betrothed at that point in this meet ugly from hell. <laughs> like, just yes. not romantic at all. And as that anecdote might tell you, Puyi wasn't the most well-adjusted person in the world and was not the best suitor for Wan Rong. Like if Wan Rong knew what this guy was all about, I'm pretty sure she would have run for the hills. So one thing that historians believe is that Puyi may have had homosexual or bisexual desires. And that would suck. I mean, in China at that time, it like wasn't even a category of thought. I'm sure he had a lot of issues going through um, those desires if he did have them, which mm -hmm. I frankly believe he did. But he also had hebophiliac desires. He really enjoyed or was really attracted to pubescent early adolescent children. Like Wenju, you know, 12 years old was right about Ugh. what he liked. And he was later alleged to even sexually assault his page boys. So there's that whole messed up psychosexual facet to him. On top of that, he was a total sadist. He loved to flog his eunuchs. His advisors had to be like, please stop. And he was like, nah, I don't, I don't think I'm gonna. And just was generally a spoiled brat who did not have any sense of how to live in the world in a normal way. So this is like dark thunderclouds are rolling over Wan Rong's life, even though she's supposed to be having this fairy tale betrothal to an emperor. That is so much. Yeah, it's a lot. But however... Life goes on. In 1922, Wan Rong and Puyi have as fancy and bougie a wedding as you would expect. It's a very extravagant affair. I'm also like a deeply bad one, as we will come to see. Truly the point at which Wan Rong's life goes from, well, maybe if she like runs away now, it could be okay to like, mm. nope, we're in it. Yeah. At least she looks great. She wears this showstopper crimson gown at her wedding. We've also already addressed her beautiful face. So mm -hmm. she's looking beautiful. I care about it. I care about her lookbook posts. I care about it deeply. Yes. Uh, Puyi does not care. <laughs> he doesn't care about the way she looks. He doesn't care about what she thinks, how she acts. He, and this is a quote, you guys, he later says that seeing Wan Rong walk into the ceremony was one of the first times he, quote, felt at all curious about what she looked like. Oh, <laughs> man. Low bar, but it gets worse. Okay, you remember how Puyi was also like, ooh, but that 12-year-old, though. Guess what? He seemed to think of marriage as like a two-for-one deal because at the same ceremony where he made Wan Rong his official consort, he also looped in Wen Zhu and took her as his secondary consort. Oh my god. This guy. This guy. Imagine just walking. I mean, I'm sure this is not how it happened. But imagine just like going to walk down the aisle you got the music playing. And then when Ju shows up too, she's like wearing the same outfit. It's like, 
bitch. <laughs> and then the wedding night hits, and it's uh, a doozy. So this is a historical fact. Puyi took both of his wives back to the royal bedchamber, and... promptly runs away from them and the situation at large. And the marriage goes as well as you would expect. Puyi effectively decides Wan Rong isn't his wife, but his mother. He just like bugs her a lot. Uh, acts like a little boy. What you up to? What you up to today? What you up to? He just always wants her attention, but also treats her like garbage. It's very confusing. <sighs> Reasonably. Wan Rong is very unhappy and stressed. She barely sleeps, and then she starts a habit that will be very bad for her in the long run. She starts smoking opium, and there is an especially horrible backstory to the beginnings of this addiction. Allegedly, Puyi suggested that Wan Rong smoke opium because it would make her more, and I quote, manageable. My note here is just, fuck off. <laughs> don't like him. Uh, we don't like him. And we're putting it on the record. We don't like this man. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Really don't. So yeah, they're really not off to a great start. And another curveball is coming right at them. Because in 1924, so just a couple years after they marry. The throuple marriage. We need like a word for the marriage. Yeah. The Triforce. In 1924, the Chinese government is finally like, mm, no, okay, you guys definitely have to leave the Forbidden City. And they force Wan Rong, Puyi, and Wenju out. Like in, in hours, they're just like, get the heck out. The trio relocates to Tianjin and things get tense pretty fast with them. At this point, it's been two years and Wan Rong still isn't pregnant. And this is... Perhaps because she and Puyi are not having sex, which would not surprise me. Yeah, see the wedding night. Yeah. Or another possibility or another complication of this is at this point, her opium addiction is getting really, really bad. And it may have been affecting her body and her fertility. She's also at this point, she's always been physically fragile, but it's really starting to show. And there's even some suggestion that there was some mental illness in her family that she was experiencing. There's not a whole lot of information on that, really, but it's it's a possibility. So in addition to those sort of really horrible, deep wounds, there's also just the straight up boredom of living in this city. And Wan Rong and Wenju start going stir crazy. I mean, they're used to living in the Forbidden City. They're used to being empresses. And then here they are kind of in exile. Mm -hmm. And they start competing with each other over Puyi's affections. God knows why. I That man doesn't deserve a shred of your attention. Um, but And they, they make him buy them gifts all the time. If he buys one of them a certain gift, he's got to buy the other one the exact same gift. It's really going downhill. And this is sucking the joy out of my favorite thing, which is gifts. <laughs> I thought you were going to say polyamory. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> no comment <laughs> but, but but they are like they are like the cautionary tale for polyamory <laughs> like don't be like them <laughs> these guys are not doing it right no it has a really great depiction of polyamorous lifestyle is um professor marston and the wonder women which is quite a lovely movie oh on oh wow i'd recommend oh, that's nice so there's like a little rejoinder a little antidote to this tale of horror yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, Jesus. We need one, guys. So in the midst of this, Wenju finally is like, I can't fucking take this anymore. I wanted to be (laughs) Empress. I don't know what the hell I am now. And she leaves. She asks for a divorce abandons Wan Rong and Puyi and goes to live her life. Honestly, slow clap it out for her. Good job, Wenju. You saw the writing on the wall and you were like, I'm out. Peace. You did it. Puyi and Wan Rong never really get over this. They call it the treason. <laughs> she dumped you and you're calling it the treason? Let yeah. Live. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Uh, and Wan Rong considers leaving too at this point, but she just can't give up the life she's used to. But she should have. Oh, yeah. Big time. Because shit's about to get real. Mm-hmm. Puyi accepts Japan's offer, which is not a great offer. But they're like, come become a puppet ruler here in Manchuria. And he's like, yeah, I love it. We'll do. Wan Rong from the get-go is like, don't do this. I hate this idea. Does Puyi listen? No. No, he doesn't. Should he have? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yes. But she hauls ass to Manchuria because social norms and she basically has to. And by this time, their marriage is on thin ice. They hate each other. They hate each other. Yeah. But one wrong also kind of just hates life. Yeah. And people know the Japanese actually bar one wrong from attending her own coronation because they had this sense like this lady doesn't have shit to lose. Like this is a loose cannon. She will go off script and she will make this entire occasion which is supposed to be you know this glorious welcoming of our new king she will just turn it into an absolute gong show yes so from there things just get worse poor one wrong is caught trying to run away constantly i know it's really really awful and she finds toxic temporary comfort in opium She just is becoming incredibly dependent on this drug because we need to like i i need a little bit of light in this darkness I do appreciate that in this dark time, an, an unexpected perk is that Wan Rong really stops giving any and all fucks. This is true. She starts mocking her husband with these petty pantomimes. She puts on <laughs> this kind of dark glasses that he'd wear and she'd imitate his awkward movements. <laughs> it was kind of like a little in-joke she had with her servants. So she's also chumming around with the servants. Like she's not really caring too much about the hierarchy. She also... And I'm glad she gets this in. She strikes up affairs with not one, but two of Ooh. her husband's aides. Very nice. Honey, good girl. You might as well enjoy life because it has not been kind to you. However, having spicy affairs sometimes has consequences, i.e. Mm-hmm. after years of a marriage that was notoriously childless, Wan Rong is suddenly pregnant. Uh-oh. And Puyi was not the father. Wan Rong knows she's pregnant. I think this baby maybe gave her finally a sense of purpose in life. Mm-hmm. So she fights for this baby. She tells the emperor everything that happened. And she's like, look, you have to say that this baby is yours and give it legitimacy. Or you need to let this baby free. Like, if you're not going to acknowledge it, you need to let them have a normal life outside of yeah. this horrific palace system. And the emperor responds by stabbing his wife in the back in honestly one of the most horrific and cruel betrayals i have ever heard of yeah it's heartbreaking and like we've covered some dark shit over the years and i have seen some shit okay so one wrong gives birth to a baby she has a beautiful little girl 
Hu Yi promptly has his men take the girl away from Wen Rong and kill the newborn. It's just like, can you get any more villainous? Like, you can't. This was not that long ago. Mm-hmm. It's like the 1930s. And there are two versions of events, both of them horrendous, by the way. So some people say Puyi never actually told Wen Rong about what happened to her daughter. And I guess what happened glosses over it, that he killed her daughter. Right after childbirth, he took Wen Rong away to a hospital and then lied and said that a nanny was taking care of the girl. That option is bad. Option B is even worse. Ugh. Some people think that Puyi told Wen Rong exactly what he'd done. And this led her to have a breakdown. This is all really, really sad. It's actually tremendously distressing. But I want to highlight Wan Rong's resilience and strength throughout this. Mm -hmm. She really took her I don't give a fuck rebel stage and leveled it up. She stopped washing her face. She refused to wash her hair. I love that. She would chow down on, like, buffets of food at these public dinner parties. She had no time for dainty manners. She did not care anymore. This man hurt her. Like, "Mm, guess what? You're not getting the, like, nice little empress wife you thought you had. It's over. Yeah, I'm not a trophy wife anymore. I always imagine her at those points just eating really intensely and, like, death staring someone across the room like and she's the man when amanda Bynes (laughs) eats the chicken yes actually oh that is actually where the image was planted from my head yes it's that it's that scene (laughs) it's exactly that mood like the debutante who like really doesn't give a shit anymore (laughs) darling remember shoot like you have a secret so let's close out this really horrendous phase of her life and let me tell you i'm gonna close it out with a real (laughs) This is quite the detail. Puyi, at this time, is thinking about divorcing one wrong, which is the richest shit I have ever heard. He wants to divorce her? Sir, I'm going to need you to sit down. Yeah, you you need to put some duct tape over your mouth. Yeah, you gotta you gotta check yourself, even though he has already wrecked himself, and her, and life. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad all around. Oh, and the only reason he didn't do it is because he was a coward, and he knew it would cause chaos and destabilize his power. And I say again, I do not like Ooh, this man. He is the most hateable man. Mm-hmm. Possibly. He's among the most hateable men. We've covered some bad guys. He's up there. Pretty bad. Now... He does get sort of a comeuppance, which is satisfying. Yay. But sadly, he takes Wan Rong down with him and then pushes her down even further. So in 1945, the Soviet invasion of Manchuria kicks Puyi from the throne yet again. And hmm, what was that Wan Rong said about not doing this and like it being <laughs> a bad idea? I don't know. So this is a huge mess, a huge disaster. And the royal family has to flee. Like, they're terrified for their lives. Do you know what Puyi does? I mean, he must take care of Wan Rong and really show her respect and dignity, yes? See the error of his ways and yeah. live with her Redemption the rest of, of his life. Yeah. No. Sadly, <laughs> no. Puyi charters a plane for himself and explicitly abandons Wan Rong because there's not enough room on the plane for the woman to go. And his advisors are convinced that they're useless anyway. He leaves the country and leaves his wife there in the middle of an invasion, people. Too far! God! Probably the saddest detail about it to me is just like how sociopathic this guy is. He wrote memoirs, so we know some of his reactions to this stuff. Oh. Apparently when Wan Rong was crying as as they said goodbye, he called it blubbering. (sighs) 
I'd be blubbering too, buddy. Yeah, I, wow. <clears throat> yeah, I just feel like we need a brief moment of silence to just acknowledge what this man has done to Wan Rong. Christ. Just evil. And this basically signs Wan Rong's death warrant. In 1946, the Soviets capture her as well as some of her companions, throw them in prison. And oh, this next part, guys, it's, it is hard to hear and hard to say. While Wan Rong's in prison, people travel from all around to see her because they know she was the one-time empress. She basically becomes a zoo animal for them to look in on. Because she's so addicted to opium at this point and she runs out of her stash, the withdrawal symptoms make her completely unfettered from reality. So she hallucinates during this time and even, oh guys, she even begs for her long lost daughter during some of these moments. That's, mm -hmm. oh, it's really awful. And then on June 20th, 1946, she finally dies of malnutrition and effects of this withdrawal. And it's just a mercy at this point, I think. And apparently when Puyi heard about her death three years later, like this is how distance he, this guy is, he was reportedly emotionless. I'm like, oh, that girl, right. Jesus. I saw this post on Tumblr years ago, and I've never forgotten it, but it's, um, I like that we say man to express disappointment because men are disappointing. <laughs> so to this thing about Puyi, I'm like, man. Yeah, man. <sighs> but the bright spot may come in her legacy. It just takes some thinking about it, I think. Because to be honest, Wan Rong has had very little legacy before, in my opinion. Yeah, like how many of you guys have heard of Wan Rong? I hadn't really heard of her until this year. Yeah. And... She's not as famous as someone like Princess Diana. I think we can all agree on that. Absolutely. Even though she had as tragic a life, probably yeah, even more Possibly tragic. more. And she has appeared as a character in films like The Last Emperor. Like there's, it's not that she's been completely buried, but it's really hard. I think she doesn't follow the narratives that we want to champion, that we want to focus on. Mm -hmm. She was just a consort. She wasn't the main show. And she's not this sort of more easy to swallow story of an empowered heroine who overcomes mm -hmm. obstacles. Like her life was sad. She was addicted. It doesn't give you the warm fuzzies, but she was important. And mm -hmm. not only, I think, the, an episode like this that helps really, like, bear witness to her, but her own family never forgot about her, and they did love her, and they did care about her. In 2006, so not that long ago, her younger mm -hmm. brother, Runki, he never recovered her body because they basically just threw it away, but he performed oh. a ritual burial for her in 2006 to remember her by. And... That's how I choose to remember her as someone who was mourned, as someone who even decades after her death, like her brother didn't want to forget her and wanted to commemorate her. And that is the really important part to me about it. Because Puyi doesn't deserve to be the last word on her life. Wan Rong had an entire life. It was very much determined by her marriage in a very negative way. But she is more than her marriage, just like every woman we cover. And more people should know about her story and especially the side of her story that digs in and reminds you that this was a real person who was really important and mattered to people in her life. She wasn't just a one-dimensional sob story. There was more going on there. So rest in peace, One Wrong. 
Yeah, rest in peace. And to you, Puyi, rest in pieces, bitch. Rest in fucking pieces. (laughs) I'll never do an episode on you. Maybe. I shouldn't say that. If I do, it will just be, I'll be very angry. I mean, if we do one, it'll be a series of like (laughs) really horrible men. And I think that's the only way to pitch it. Yeah, just a series of horrible men where all we do is dunk on them. First up, Puyi. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Factinate.com. If you want to learn more about One Wrong, check out our article on her. It's actually written by Danzi. The link is in the show notes. Please leave us a review on the iTunes store and tell your friends about the podcast. Um, We'll be back next week with another iconic queen to tell you about. Until then, don't let the bland history textbooks fool you. History was a damn soap opera.